This is the Florida Spectacular Podcast with your hosts, Kathy Silustri and Rick Kilby. Keep up with Kathy at GreatFloridaRoadTrip.com and on Twitter and Instagram at Kathy Silustri. Find Rick on Twitter at OldFLA and visit his website, RickKilby.com. Now, discover a Florida you never knew existed. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Florida Spectacular. How are you doing, Rick? I'm great. I went out into the heat this morning and I survived. Woohoo! It is not bad before 7 a.m. Honestly, so I, was- <laughs> I was letting the pets in and out at 5 a.m. and it didn't feel like there'd been any relief here overnight. It's It was one of those evenings where it just doesn't cool down. Well, we're on the coast, so we're yeah. a little more fortunate with a little bit of a breeze. We're less than a mile from the water. So um, I was up doing some editing last night till about midnight, but I, no matter how late I sleep, it's go to bed. I can't seem to sleep past a certain time. Of course, that might be because I have a dachshund with a weak bladder at this point in her life. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I got up, let the dog out and thought, man, this is, this is nice. It's like almost stormy, but of course it's not stormy. I don't think it's ever going to storm again in Florida. I have no hope. Every tropical storm is just not even brought us any relief. So <sighs> Well, as someone who has the sort of Damocles hanging over its house in the form of many uh, live oaks with uh, – we had one that struck, got struck by lightning and that has dead branches. Actually, one's leaning on my power line right now. I'm happy we haven't had any tropical systems. You know, I don't know if you're aware, but there are services that have <laughs> people who will come take care of those things for you. and. I realize it's not always inexpensive, but it is probably less expensive than a new roof. Yeah. Well, it's one of those catch-22 things. You know, if I was going to be perfectly safe and, you know, have no fear, I'd cut down all of the trees on my lot. But I don't want to do that. I love my trees. I love the shade. I love, you know, what it does for the planet. We, you know, we start out every week talking about weather. (laughs) Do we, though? Like, I feel that like seems sometimes like we it. start out talking about trees. Sometimes. Um, so That's a good place to I, start. <laughs> so I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole on the web this morning. I um, City by Us has paid $50,000 for a new logo and some rebranding. Who? Um, yeah. Uh, the City of Treasure Island paid 49000 and change for a new logo and rebranding. I'd have done it for um, a lot less. <laughs> yeah, that's what my husband says. I would have done it for 45. Um, I'm not sure why. But anyway, I was looking at the new logo, and of course, it has a palm tree. And of course, it is not a cabbage palm, as is the logo for our podcast, because that is the state tree of Florida. It is a lovely tree. Uh, offers shelter for bats. I mean, it's just a wonderful, wonderful tree. John O'Miller wrote a whole book about it. And uh, we've had him on the podcast a long time ago. We should probably have him back. But I'm looking at the logo. I'm like, well, wait a minute. And I realized the tree they use, I wasn't 100% certain of the name. And of course, it is is this date palm. And so I went down this rabbit hole of, is it even native to Florida? And uh, ended up on a myriad of, or is it a a myriad or myriad anyway of of florida gardening websites so 
Um, and I always, I always go back to my old faithful tried and true, uh, you know, the Florida extension service, because, um, they, they are in my mind, at least kind of the authority on what you can and cannot plant, what is native. They do have the research to back it up. Um, but I, I mean, you're more of a gardener than I am. Is that your go-to Florida site for gardening? Which one? Uh, University of Florida Extension, UFIS. Um, you know, I kind of go to whatever um, Google brings me to. I On my phone, I have the iNaturist app. You know, if I see something in person, you know, I, sw- I take a picture of it and try and get that to use. It's Seek, I think, through iNaturalist. Um, I but I, the iFish site is, is one of the ones I go to. And then there's like a native plant ones that go I go to. I'm looking at their logo. It's I, I give me the one with the pirate any day. This pot, looks well, like okay, clip so art. This looks like, uh, an, um, you know, I think that's probably why they chose those palm trees because there's clip art of it. Well, for $50,000, don't you want more than clip art? Yes. <laughs> I like the pirate too. The pirate was so cool and kitschy. I like the pirate too. I mean, the, the city's name is Treasure Island. Yeah, I like, know. That's, um, and that's, I mean, that's, Okay, they have, you know, a very nice mayor. I certainly, I respect the fact that they at least did not try and do it internally. Because I've seen so many places say, well, I know how to use Corel Draw, so I can uh, <laughs> whip up a logo. So I respect the fact that they outsourced it. But uh, one of my one of my writers at the paper sent me the article and I was like, $50,000? Like, does it include, does the logo cry tears of gold? Does something... <laughs> Honestly, that's pretty cheap comparatively, you know, some of the firms. I remember when I was in the corporate world, I think the first website we did was six figures, which is crazy when you think about it. But, you know, this was before um, there was, what is the one, um, you know, all those things you can, Wix and all those sites where you can make your own website. But back then it was like you had to have web developers and all that kind of stuff. But you can pay a whole lot more than 50 grand. I can tell you that. You can pay a whole lot less too. You know, a lot, we don't have intentions of talking about graphic design, but I know a lot of people who outsource their graphic design overseas. There are sites where you can um, have people submit their designs and they only get paid if they pick it and they get paid very little. Yes, I, I have not. I'm. I don't love those sites, and let's not talk about them because okay. it's, there are good, honest graphic designers working right here in the United States who deserve right. to be paid more than five dollars for a logo. Yeah, but and there are it's great work. websites to talk about. Let's talk and, about other websites, not how to outsource work on the cheap. Well, let's I would love about, to talk about one of our favorites, which is Authentic Florida. Oh God, I love Melanie. I love the website. I wish I had the website and that said, I hate the word authentic. I am. Um, well, for a while there, it was, everybody was, I'm authentic and I hated it. But the authentic Florida website is probably one of the more useful yes. websites yes. for navigating the state, not politically, not for planting things, but uh, Melanie, that's the woman's name who, who runs the website. And we both know her. She does. A lot of listicles, but I find, and it doesn't feel like a cop out when she doesn't like 17 things, 17 best things to do in Orlando milk district. Um, 
14 top Florida events in July. I mean, and they're, they're helpful. They're good because there's links and I don't know how she does this and has a business at all other than I, this. Cause I think she has no, doesn't she have another job. She does. And you know, it was started by somebody named Robin Draper in Sarasota who I I've known for a long time. And then Melanie acquired it and Melanie has taken it to the next level and she's all over the social media and she has a newsletter that comes out and it's very informative. Honestly, if you're going to any place in Florida, listen to our podcast first and then go to their website and we'll absolutely listen to ours first, but yeah. yes, after that, go check out Melanie's website. It's, it's um, pretty great. Yeah. And, and she and I have a shared affinity for the orange bird. Oh, or as that's I right. Bird, we're both big orange bird people. Um, it's, um, one of my friends says, so what is it with you and the orange bird anyway? I don't get what that is. Like, well, let me tell you. Like, this is one of the things my friends ask, and they're like, oh, crap, I forgot who I was talking to. I shouldn't ask a question about Florida. I'm looking at her site now. I got, I went down the rabbit hole of all the best vegan and vegetarian restaurants in Orlando, and she has my favorites at the top. So I'm very pleased. Taping a podcast here with. Okay. Sorry. Uh, that's, that's, okay. The, that's the danger of, of, surfing really? while you're doing a podcast because we are talking no, about websites we are talking about websites and it is um you know it is good to know if you're traveling i mean this is when i know this sounds silly but if you're traveling it is good to know those things if, if you have any dietary requirements and yeah. yelp unfortunately is not always as helpful i have celiac and there actually is an, an app and a website called find me gluten-free but a few years ago, it looked a lot like Yelp, but a few years ago, they changed to a subscription model. And now it really isn't. And it's not just that you have to pay for it if you want the good information, but I think it was community driven. So a lot of the community stopped contributing. Like, you know, it was based on how many people went there and if they thought it was friendly. So anytime I find a reputable, here's how to travel Florida and eat a certain way, I always think that's important because... Obviously, being vegan or vegetarian is a choice, but it's it's a choice most people live by for significant reasons, right? Yeah. So you want to give them that that sort of uh, information. And there's not a lot of places doing it. You would think that the state tourism website would do it. And that's another website I want to talk about, which is visitflorida.com, because that is if you are going on vacation in Florida, that is definitely uh, a website you want to check out. Now, I will say, and I've done writing for the for them, so I don't want to. Uh, I want to disclose that. I will say, um, even though I love writing for them, I feel like it's too big. It's too much of a state to do on website, on one website, and um, you know they break it down by districts. But let's just say, if we go to places to go, Florida, your vacation guide to Central Florida. It does go city by city, but each city gets a paragraph, as well as the Magic Kingdom. Um, Orlando gets one, two, three, four, five lines. Oviedo gets three. I mean, and it's 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 a lot of information they have to compress. But I always tell people it's a really good generalist guide. It doesn't have quite the personality of Melanie's site, but that is no. probably because they can't. You know, it's. This site, the ad agency answers to somebody who answers to elected officials. Melanie it's it's answers clean. To Melanie. I will say this. It's clean. It has great photography. You know, it's easy to navigate. Um, it's a good starting jumping off place, I think, maybe. And it does have some weird things like 
Sobo Art Gallery for Winter Garden. I mean, that's something I've never even heard about, which I think I'm going to have to go check out now because it sounds interesting. Of course, you never know how up to date these websites are for this state. Um, but yeah, you know, they used to have this extensive a bunch of bloggers. Um, I guess they were called insa insiders. They were called insiders, yes. Yeah, and they let them all go, on sa sadly. Well, that happened, I believe, during our last governor who had ideas at one point that he was going to dismantle Visit Florida and take that money and put it into attracting new businesses. Um, and that didn't go over. Well, let's put it this way. It went over about as well as you would expect. Because tourism is, it's, it's what powers us here. Um, so, I mean, they, they, they do a good enough job. If you're going somewhere, what you want to watch out for on the site, for example, we're going camping at Olino State Park next week. Mm -hmm. And um, so I went to the website, typed in Olino, and it first, first, rea first re result, Olino State Park. And then it goes River Rise Preserve State Park, Santa Fe Paddling Trail, gives me a hotel in Gainesville. Then it talks about Lake City, uh, biking adventures. But then if you go down far enough, it just pulls anything off its website with the O in the title. So I'm getting the O Bistro and Beef O Brady. So oh. you have to use a little discretion. But like I said, if you're going somewhere, um, oh, I'm going to Alino. I want to know what else I can do. I've been to Alino State Park before, um, but I want to know what else we can do while we're there and uh so the answer it's it's just outside of Gainesville by I don't know what an hour or two how far are how you far are you uh, are you actually going to Olino yeah we're gonna be there we're we're um going to Olino State Park for um the 4th of July because we have one dog who cannot handle fireworks at all and she's she's okay with city fireworks she has no problem with what happens a mile away it's the neighbors setting off the M80s that freak her out. So we always find a state park because they're really quiet places and go there. So we'll be at Olino, yeah. I hope no one's out there shooting off fireworks, but they very well could be, unfortunately. No, the state park state parks are hardcore about it. So um, my friend has a business um, on the Santa Fe called Rum 138. It's near Rum Island, which is a spring on the Santa Fe. And it's kind of a combination of an outfitter where you can rent a kayak and do kayak trips or buy a kayak and an art gallery. And um, and it has a farmer's market. It has a farmer's market. Marilee is and her husband, Doug, are awesome, awesome people. Um, they're both artists and environmentalists. Marilee's worked for the Sierra Club. I'm not sure if she still does, um, but big advocates for our springs. And I, you know, I've done. I think they have my books for sale. I've done it, had a show in their gallery and it's, it's awesome. And I, I wish I could direct everybody to go there. Cause I think it's one of the coolest places around. So check it out. If you're, you're up there. I will. And I, I'll put that link in our show notes for anybody else who wants to check it out um, and, and see what's up because that's a pretty area of the state. Yeah, Other it really websites. is. Oh, sorry, so sorry. so since we're on state websites, this is a very useful resource or just to get lost. Florida Memory. I love oh, I Florida love Memory. Florida website. Memory. Um, so Florida Memory, uh, for those of you listening, if you're not history or research um, nerds, I think that's what we are, Rick, isn't it? Nerds? Yes, for sure. Yes. 
Um, it is, you can find anything from pictures of Disney world on opening day to the territorial records, the territorial, uh, records of early Florida to, I mean, it's anything, photographs, videos, uh, audio maps. It's thing about Florida and it's all the state so it's public record and it's beautiful um I I had the chance to meet somebody who was an archivist with them and he's since moved on Josh Goodman who's moved to Sarasota um and they did and he just I mean it's a massive undertaking and uh I felt like he was a little traumatized about it getting it all together <laughs> but it's a beautiful site what do you use it for you use it for old photos Yes, uh, you can. You could just grab the de- the low res ones. They're great for presentations from their website and trying. You know, I always give them a photo credit that says State Archives of Florida. Um, if you want a higher res, they're like twelve bucks for an eight by ten. You know, three hundred pixels per inch, which is plenty. But you know, the amazing thing is, you know, they have all. They have video. They have audio. If you want to hear Zora Neale Hurston sing a folk song she recorded as part of the WPA Writers Project that exists on the Florida Memory website. That just gets me excited. You know, you can hear her voice. It's incredible. I actually have that recording from the website that I have embedded in one of my presentations about the WPA and Zora Neale Hurston because it is incredible. I I get chills thinking about what we've preserved. I mean, It's, um, you know, it's okay to go there and just poke around, but my suggestion to you is if you're going to Florida memory, pick something you love about Florida or you want to know more about, like, let's just say oranges and there's a search box and you can type in oranges and you will get stuff you didn't know had to do with oranges. (laughs) Like, uh, the 19 there'll be you'll, you can see the 1982 postage stamp with the mockingbird and the orange blossom on it for florida um you can get pictures of a five-year-old picking oranges in saint petersburg i mean it's and then because you know, if you're an artist an artist i'm sure know this if you if you're an artist like this cute little picture of this little girl picking oranges since it's public domain you can get that high resolution thing and then you can alter it and you can use it in things and it's it's just such an incredible resource and I am so impressed by it. I'm glad you brought it up. I, I love it. And, you know, I could get lost for hours doing that. Uh, and I, you know, I've refrained. There was a time where I knew every spring's image on the website, but the great thing is they're constantly digitizing new stuff. They used to have a page for where they would put all the new stuff and I'm not sure they do that anymore. At one point they revamped their website and I'm not sure they made it better. Uh, but there's also really good articles. You know, they do kind of uh, a blog, and I think they call it Floridiana articles or something like that. So okay. it's a great resource. Check it out. Um, what other websites do you like? Well, so I'm glad you mentioned Florida Memory because um, I live in Pinellas County, and we actually have something called Pinellas Memory, which oh. is the Pinellas County Digital Collection. Now, it is not inclusive of every city because uh so far only the large cities have gotten on board with it there's um clearwater dunedin largo st pete safety harbor and tarpon and during the pandemic 
they kind of shut down taking on new stuff because of the volunteers, but we're hoping they take them on soon. But that's um, somewhere you can find collections from each city that participates. And I suspect other counties may have this. I don't see where Orange County does your home county, um, but I use it obviously because some it's the most densely populated county in the state. It's where I live. So it's germane to some of my research. Um, but it's, uh, it's at smaller scale. Um, now there's another one. It's not sure actually if it goes outside Pinellas, but there's another one I use called water Atlas. Are you, it does, I think go anywhere. Wateratlas.usf.edu. Um, have you, are you familiar with this? I, I've stumbled across it. It has springs and different bodies of water and things like that. Mostly. You I th- sound vaguely unimpressed with it. Um, it's a little technical. Yeah. It's, it's, I like it to, um, you know, you can, you can look at atlases for certain counties and you can find a body of water and you can kind of geek out over it if you want to. It's, it's, um, really interesting and it'll tell you, uh, like, and it'll tell you what you want to know about different bodies of water. So, um, it'll say, if you click on Tampa Bay, it will show you the nine different bodies of water within five miles of it. It's just, a definitely a little more, um, sciencey and geeky for people like that, but it is kind of a cool thing if you're into, if you're one of those people who likes to think about water and how it's connected, it is a very cool way to do it because, uh, you can search pretty much any body of water in Florida. And you can find out things you might not have known. You can see how it connects to other bodies of water. It's just, it's just neat. Um, you know, it, it's for me, I've always enjoyed stuff like that. So that's kind of a more niche, but it, it's obviously open to anyone, but it is you know also used by researchers and scientists. But um, one of the things that can be helpful is that you can see water quality so you could say go to the gulf of mexico and you could find out the last time it was sampled how many locations what the water quality is i mean this is definitely uh in it's a way to keep track of red tide which is a big deal on the coast it's it's a comprehensive water website for the state and i really like it wow i just found the lake that i live on on it which i'm really surprised it says I'm within a little econ watershed, which I did not know. Uh, See, and you learned something. I did learn something. Wow, that's impressive. Very impressive. It, it's it's um. I used to work for the county utility a gazillion and a half years ago, so um, I, I get into stuff like this. Um, Bad also- news: the water body I live on is considered impaired by the Florida Department of Environmental Protection. Well, stop fertilizing everything, Rick. I don't fertilize a thing. <laughs> so, don't tell your neighbors they're not allowed to anymore. I have a, I have a sign on my front yard that says, you know, I don't use fertilizer because I want to help the manatees. So we've talked about that. Uh, you know, another great research tool. Well, there's a there's a couple. Um, Palm. Have you ever looked at P A L M M? No. Um, oh, it's another one. It's all. It's. It's the Palm Digital Collection. So it's all these different places. It's the publication of archival library and museum materials for the State University Libraries of Florida. 
So it is, there are some photographs, but a lot of it is just publications, but they have PDFs up there. So you can totally get lost in it too. So they have stuff, you know, from Miami, they have stuff from Ringling, they have plants, they have coral gables. So like if I want to find an old Flagler brochure, I go to that site often and they have them all up there as well as you know, they'll have other publications with the word Flagler in there. So, you know, I just put Flagler in there really quick and I get this beautiful full color brochure on the Hotel Ponce de Leon and the Alcazar Hotel in St. Augustine. And then it opens up as a PDF and you can you can scroll through and read it page by page. It's it's just a whole lot of fun. I guess we are research geeks. And again, this one's a little bit um, geeky for for. Florida geeks, but it's a lot of fun. And, you know, it, it takes a lot of time to go to individual archives. I love doing it, but, you know, a lot of times I just don't have, have the ability to, you know, drive to Green Cove Springs to go look at everything in their archives. So this makes it possible for you to do that from the comfort of your own home. I'd like to remind you that that is once upon a time, not so very long ago, that was the only way we learned anything. Because you and I both grew up without a computer. That's right. Unless you're far younger than I think you are. Um, and I didn't I didn't have the internet. I think we got the internet in my house when I was an adult. I was probably like 96, 95. And that was early. Um, because uh, my first husband was into computers. And... Uh, you know, he worked for an ISP. So we had, we had the internet um, when, when my computer had, I think eight megs of RAM Um, and it was not helpful. It was not a profoundly helpful internet. Um, You know, it was, it was, I wish, I wish I could take people in their twenties back to the, to the mid nineties and show them (laughs) what the internet was like Uh, because this sort of thing being able to do research that was that was that was a dream yeah um so what is the um url for palm because there's a lot of palms out there and i want to get it right in the show notes and also uh, for me, people who are not going to go to the show notes because it's p p a l m m dot digital dot f l v c dot org so it's F-L-V-C, a publication like Florida Library's virtual collection or something? FL, yeah, some, yeah, something like that. Probably that's exactly what it is. It was a big old guess. Oh, it's actually the Florida Virtual Campus is what it stands for. Um, oh, it's got the Florida Historical Quarterly. I didn't even know that. Oh, so much, so much fun stuff. I actually went down the rabbit hole just a minute ago and um, <laughs> so All much right, fun. So, um, non-history helpful websites i mentioned before the university of florida's extension service mm-hmm. um if you just go to the website which is ifas.ufl.edu it can be a little overwhelming because it has like where bison roam could spread microbes and black truffles grown in eastern u.s may be less valuable look-alike species so you could go to the main website and you go well this doesn't have anything to do with me but where I find it helpful um, is if I need to know something about what I'm planting or I want to know, uh, do I want to plant vegetable gardens or anything like that? And 
you, well, Rick, I think you know this, but I don't know if everybody listening knows this. Every county in Florida has an extension service, uh, a cooperative that is done with the state and the University of Florida. And IFAS stands for Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences. They look very different from county to county. Um, you know, in, in the more rural areas of Florida, it's going to deal more with agriculture. In some of the poorer communities, it deals with food. It just depends on where you are. But um, they do have a lot of Florida gardening resources. So if you are new to Florida or if you are new to gardening and you're trying to figure out what the hell can I plant, this is kind of where you want to go. And um, what you do is just go to that main website and you just type in your county. And you could type in something like Pinellas Gardening Calendar. Um, and it should give you some results. Um, a lot of times it's not necessarily the easiest thing to navigate, but it will give you results. It'll give you their social media links for every county. Um, and you can find help with stuff like that. They have a wonderful um, gardening calendar by zone, like what to plant now. Um, and you can sign up for their newsletter. They have uh, a wonderful um, wonderful newsletter they send out, but you know it's definitely helpful uh, if you distill it down. Now, you can, of course, go to your local extension, but depending on the size of your county, that might not be a short drive. For me, it's a 30-minute drive, and I'm in a fairly small county. Um, but I, I do like their What to Plant. Um, it's under their publications list. And I do like looking at their calendar for fruits and vegetables that you can plant because um, it's a big it's a big challenge for people who move to Florida. Uh, they want to know where they can plant their daffodils or when their lilac bush will bloom. And uh, that doesn't always work down here. So I find it to be a fairly helpful um, month by month guide. And it also uh, leads me to another website. And I feel like I'm really promoting a lot of state websites and I don't mean to, but freshfromflorida.com. And I love Fresh From Florida because it's the state agriculture's website, but it has recipes. Um, it will show you, it will tell you where you can go pick stuff yourself. It'll tell you what's in season. So uh, for me, uh, one of the things I like about it is that I can find out because I don't always know what's in season. And, um, you know, it, it, it's really a good resource and their recipes are delicious. They have a, a, he can't be the only chef, but they have chef Justin and he creates different recipes using everything from tomatoes to, um, alligator. So it's, it's really a nice site if you're into food and produce and, Things like that. So I grew up in Gainesville. And we called it IFAS. We know nobody in Gainesville. Everybody just calls it IFAS. Um, well, yeah, you're the hipster college people. Uh, well, and we and my hardcore environmentalist friends have some bones to pick with IFAS. Um, I've actually protested outside of IFAS facility. Why? Um, they do take money from some of the. Uh, is from special interests that um, aren't good for Florida. And in this case, it was detrimental to our springs. 
Tell um, me about this. I had not, I was not aware of this. Now I feel I feel bad for using their gardening calendar. Well, I let me get the let me put this asterisk out there. IFIS does a heck of a lot of good. You know, the Master Gardener and the Master Naturalist programs, I believe, are both through IFIS, if I'm not mistaken. They are. And, I, you know, that's my dream to one day be one of those or maybe both of those. And, and so they do a whole lot of good. Well, you're in there. But so years ago, there was a Canadian billionaire who wished to build a cattle ranch near Ocala. And he put in for a water permit to extract more water than the city of Ocala used to water these beef cattle. And it was called the Adina Springs Ranch. And he gave millions of dollars to IFAS to kind of help pave the way for this this permit. Um, help pave the way. That was very delicately put, Rick. Yes. And so it was very controversial because this is in the Silver Springs spring shed. It would have taken a lot of water. And I can't even I can't even tell you how this was resolved. They ended up rebranding it, getting, you know, there was so much baggage with the name Adina Springs that they uh, changed it. I know the guy built a golf course near Ocala. Uh, I don't remember what happened in terms of the cattle ranch, but it was a big thing. And we were protesting and, you know, it was one of those things we were on the news and it would became a big hubbub and I made all these signs. And, um, you know, I, I have heard people say that they take a lot of money from the turf grass industry, which is not necessarily good for our waters as well. So just know that, it, you know, it, it's, it goes back to the show we did about, you know, um, Nothing is is really that black and white in Florida. You know, there's I think IFAS overall is an incredible organization that does a whole lot of good. But in the practical world, they have to get money where they can get money in order to fund a lot of their projects. And a lot of the, the people who fund these projects are people who do harm to the environment of Florida. Well, I mean, it goes back to people are nuanced and so are these organizations and thank you for sharing that with me because I had no idea. And I, I appreciate that. Um, So I want to caveat that too, but say, you know, fresh from Florida, it's also a nuanced website. It's a nuanced, you know, because it will tell you this is what's fresh from Florida. And I'm always, always, always torn when something says fresh from Florida, because you need to know more than it was grown in Florida. And Obviously, you want to support Florida industry, or I do. And also, obviously, the less food miles your 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 food comes from, the better off you are. Like the the for a few reasons. One, theoretically, it has a lower carbon footprint if you get um, a head of cabbage from Florida than if it's sent from Mexico. Uh, so you want to do that, right? Also, um, nutritionally, food degrades after it's picked. I mean, it's basically starting to die. So you want to eat things as close to harvest as possible so that you get the most nutritional benefit. But I also am aware that a lot of times when I look for that fresh from Florida label, which is what the state website wants you to do, it's probably grown in the EAA, which is the Everglades Agricultural Area. And it's doing just almost irreparable harm to one of the most complex, nuanced, and solitary combination of ecosystems on the whole planet. So, um, you know, I don't necessarily endorse everything on their site. I think that it could talk a little bit more about organics. Um, 
And, you know, there's, there's a lot to it, but we have to start somewhere and start moving the needle. So I'm pretty sure agriculture is doing damage in every state. And, uh, you know, first you look for, or for me, how it goes is I look at what's in season in Florida and I look for it from Florida and then I look for it organic, right? So it's, it's always a balance, but the website is a tool to help you work out where to start. So you can't just trust these websites blindly. You have to be a little bit more uh, buyer beware with them, I think is probably a good, good way to to say it. So I appreciate you bringing up that point. That's yeah, definitely I, I think, important. I think the state has created some wonderful resources and I think both IFAS and the, and the site you mentioned do, but it is a complicated thing because, you know, the large uh, kind of factory farming that has gone on in North Florida has contributed to the decline of our springs, but we have to eat, you know, it's one of those, those complicated scenarios that, you know, I, I wrestle with too, you know, I wish you, you know, the the legislature, when they have done legislation, they have allowed um, agriculture to kind of police itself and to take up best practices, they call it. So we're, we're trusting in them to do best practices in terms of uh, how much water they extract from the aquifer. And I'm sure there are farms that, that do that, that they don't want to hurt the environment. But the reality is... That you know, they have large farms with center pivot irrigation that extract a great amount of water from the aquifer, and that has reduced the flow to the springs in Springs Country in North Florida, and has harmed our springs. So it's a you know, I, but y- you know, I know I have eaten food that has been grown up there, or you know, some of it's turf grass. Um, I haven't used any turf grass, but um, it's a complicated thing. Um, it is kind you know, maybe that's our, our slogan for the day, Florida. It's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> what is, I mean, it's, um, even if we go back to, as long as we're going to really just yank on this thread, let's go back to some of these history websites and think about what's not represented on those history websites. Um, you know, there are underrepresented people and groups of humans that don't have a strong presence on the websites. Uh, you can, yes, you can certainly uh, hear Zora Neale Hurston singing uh, on a recording with the um, naval stores, the the turpentine industry, the, the, the turpentine camps. But what you don't see on that website is talking about how while she was doing that, she was pretty much only sent to black areas of the state because she couldn't go to the white ones because it was the Jim Crow South. I mean, there's a lot of things on every website on the internet, and certainly Florida is no different, that while they can have reliable information that in and of itself is not inaccurate, um, probably needs a little bit more nuance to it and some context for it to really be absorbed in the best way. So uh, I think that's probably the best way I can caveat that does it make sense when i say it that way rick or am i just sounding elitist no i I don't think so i mean uh, i do think that those people the state archives are doing yeoman's work and they have you know in their their articles on their blog they have shot um you know they i know they did one on paradise park um which was the the black um attraction that was right next to silver springs you know they they have they did one on juneteenth um, they have created um, 
useful information. And I think they are doing yeoman's work. But, you know, we have a history of only kind of focusing on, you know, the white man's view of the world. And so that's going to take a while to correct. Um, and, you know, and, and the hard thing is some of these images, you know, the, some of the images that do exist were exploit exploitative is how do you how would i say that they they were i say exploitative but exploitative. i'm more of a write and read to myself person than i am a speak to myself person that sounds that sounds better exploitative of some of these these groups and you know but i think that's our past and it has a use too so it, it's complicated so maybe for ending we should find something that's lighthearted and fun and i want to just give a shout out this is a Facebook group to my friends who um, started, they started Historic Orlando, then they started Historic Florida, and then they uh, were propositioned by a book publisher out of Canada to do a book on some of the members' photos, and they did a book called uh, Florida, A History in Pictures, and so they've migrated their group to that, and they did their, published recently their first group and our first book, and our in contracting to do more and all the images are historic images crowdsourced from their members in their upcoming books the the one that they have now combines crowdsourced images with archives but if you like for florida photographs it's a great group in um, facebook and they do a great job of policing their site so that they don't repeat content so it's always new and fresh and they you know they show the entire state and it's kind of interesting because it just shows the power of crowdsourcing. And it also, you know, I learn a lot. I'm a visual learner and I learn a lot from looking at these photographs. Um, and Mike McGinnis is one of the the uh, people who started this and is one of the author of the book. He's here in Central Florida in Altamont. And um, Jeff Davies is the other guy. And he's down in Palm Beach, I think. Um, and they are the authors of the book. and. Um, if you're not a member of that group, I suggest you join it because, you know, most of it's nostalgic. You know, again, we could complicate it and say it is a skewed view of Florida because you're not getting a lot of the perspective of minorities. Um, it's mostly a white perspective, but it is also um, nostalgic and shows what Florida used to look like. I mean, we could probably do more than one podcast. Um simply about underrepresented communities and ways you can learn about their history in Florida online. I mean, there's, as you're talking, I'm thinking of a handful without even trying of, of places that we should be talking about. And we don't unfortunately have time right now to go into all of those, but I think that's probably something down the road we should do and, and get some people who are, um, a little bit more in the know of these things, because I think that's a good point, Rick. I, you know, I feel like I didn't even get half the websites I wanted to talk to. <laughs> well, I thought we, you know, we were going to talk about podcasts and uh, things like that, but we didn't even get to that either. But that, I think we we scratched the surface, and there could be another show. Yeah, um, I mean, I think our eyes are bigger than our stomachs when it comes to what we <laughs> think we can talk about. Well, hopefully this will keep people busy for at least a week while they look at these sites and fall down the rabbit holes. I, you know, I don't know if everyone does this 
like I do, but, you know, I go looking for one thing and then I start learning about something else and I want to learn more about it. And before I know it, I forgot why I went there to begin with, because I've learned such interesting stuff. And that, you know, that's part of the joy of doing research. I would love, I always say, I would love to get my PhD only so that I would have, um, only so that I would have an excuse to sit around and do research all day. Um, but that's an $80,000 adventure in vanity if I do that. Like, there's no I, reason. I can say this. Um, you know, I don't have a degree in Florida studies like you do. I didn't need one to do my last book. I, you know, I think I probably would have been better rounded and had a better base of information and my book may have been better. But there's no excuse for anyone who wants to do research not to do research and just just for the joy of it. Um, you know, there are a lot of, uh, you know, a great example is uh, Mike McGinnis and Jeff Davies who are doing this book. They they're not historians, but they do a good job and they make sure they do. You know, there's there's good history and there's bad history, and you know you have to make sure you cross your T's and dot your eyes to make sure you're you're getting it right. And I and I so far I'm impressed with the work that they're doing. And um, maybe I'm just being lazy because I don't want to get an advanced degree. But um, it, I see what you're saying, though. It would be nice to have an excuse just to put blinders on and do nothing but research. Well, and it's helpful to have other people saying, well, have you, I mean, there's always somebody who knows something you don't know. I mean, the odds of stumbling around blindly on the internet until you find a really great site are uh, far lower of you finding that site than having somebody who's said, hey, this is my full-time job to research Florida. And have you heard of this extensive uh, resource? I mean, it's just, there's a lot. Yeah, so true. Our podcast today is a good starting point is what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to get lost in this. I don't want the listeners to be like, well, what's the point? We're never going to learn it all anyway. (laughs) There's so much Florida to discover. And um, I think uh, we've got a good, good starting point here. We will talk about websites in future issue uh, issues. Wow. Future episodes. (laughs) But right now um, go get online, have a good time, learn something about Florida and, uh, please let us know uh, if there's something you want to know. Kathy at floridaspectacular.com. You know, please. We are always happy to hear constructive feedback and honor requests for people who want to know about stuff. Bye. See you next time on the Florida Spectacular. Have a good week.